Welcome to the On Your Left Politics Podcast, a political podcast hosted by me, Katrina Ames, and I use she-them pronouns. Hi, I'm Nurali, and I use she-her pronouns. Um, we have officially decided that we're posting every Wednesday, so look for us in your feeds on Wednesdays. It's a great time. It's the middle of the week. It's You probably, probably need a fun podcast by then. And who knows what's going to happen? Every week has brought new, weird, bad news lately. Last time we talked was on Monday, and it is Sunday today, and since then, the world has changed, to say the least. So, we are recording on May 31st, but by the time you hear this episode, it'll be June. You know what June means? I do know what June means. It's very exciting. June is... In, in the United States, at least, considered Pride Month, and we just want to wish you all a happy Pride Month, because that's what this whole episode is going to be about. Pride Month is happening, and, like, people can say that gay rights have uh, clearly um, been better than before. Thing, like, things have gotten better for queer people than before, but it's still very important, and, um, We've got some information about what queer America looks like today. That's really important, um, both to like the larger political conversation that we're having about civil rights, uh, but also personally because we're not we're queer, so that we care about us, about our community. It's it's important to us. It's it's nice to care about other people, but you know, politics touches everything. Uh, including large portions of my life. Yeah, politics is personal. So we wanted to talk about that a little bit. Um, so speaking of our community, um, it's very large, this this LGBT plus community. Um, according to a survey in 2017, they we make up 4.5% of the adult U.S. population, which is... A lot of people. That is a lot of people, and that's only the people that were willing to be open about their sexual orientation and gender identity. Obviously, there are people who are in the closet and have not come out, uh, but they are still part of our community and we still want to fight for them. And 4.5% mm -hmm. of the adult US population is literally millions of people. We want those millions of people to be safe and happy and have policies that protect them from the rest of the population, should it, it, it that anything happen. Yeah, even though there's a lot of us who are still a minority. There are, like, there are openly LGBT plus adults living in every state. Uh, I mean, they are definitely grouped in a few more liberal states, but there are plenty of LGBT people living in rural communities, and we are literally in every part of the United States. We are also part of every racial and ethnic group. We're everywhere. You, you can't get rid of us because we've been here <laughs> the whole time. We're everywhere and always have been. <laughs> Which sounds sinister, but like, no, we just, we just want to We're exist. We're just people to be in here, living our lives. We're just people. I mean, we should say because we're part of every racial and ethnic group, issues related to racial justice also do impact us. Uh, although 
this podcast is hosted by two Asian people. Uh, we kind of want to stop hearing about Black people being murdered by the police because we want them to stop being murdered by the police. Yeah, and we completely are with the protesters that are currently protesting and um, understand um, what they're going through and are with them. When, when we advocate for policies that help our community and protect our lives, we do absolutely mean black lives, we do mean black queer lives, we do mean black trans lives. As stated previously, we want to prevent all preventable deaths. That was our official podcast stance. Mm -hmm. And that that includes yeah. police violence. Police violence makes up a large portion of preventable deaths, so let's let's prevent that, shall we? Yeah. We are against murder. Yeah, no murder here. Please and thank you. We're taking really bold stances at this podcast. <laughs> yes. One one of the things that could help with um preventable deaths is the Equality Act. Um passing it would be amazing. Um, last year we talked about it in our good news segment because it had passed in the House of Representatives. However, in our year-long hiatus, um, it seems that the Senate has also taken a hiatus because um, they haven't done anything about this. Uh, it hasn't passed in the Senate. It's just sitting there on the Senate floor waiting for a vote. To be honest, it probably won't get a vote. The way we get the Equality Act passed is to just elect better senators that care about us. To do that, you know, make sure your community is registered to vote. Actually vote. Find out who's running for Senate in your area. If you're in a state that doesn't have any Senate races, like if you're from Pennsylvania, like me, there are no, no senators up this year. Adopt a senator in another state. Yeah. There are ways to help in other states that isn't just voting. You can do so much more than voting, and um, you can find those resources pretty much anywhere. Um, yeah. But we should discuss for a minute why the Equality Act is so important to begin with. Um, the Equality Act would provide consistent and explicit non-discrimination protections for LGBTQ plus people, um, and um, that includes areas like housing, employment, education, credit, um, existing in public spaces and services. I don't know if you remember that cake lady who refused to make a gay wedding cake um, would protect that couple from that kind of discrimination. Um, and yeah, federally funded programs, all that stuff. The way the Equality Act works is it would amend the Civil Rights Act to include protections for sexual orientation and gender identity explicitly. I believe in the Civil Rights Act. I think it's done a lot of good in our country, and I think it could do more if we amend it to explicitly include more people who do face discrimination in their day-to-day -day lives. I agree. And like, obviously the Civil Rights Act or passing the Equality Act won't fix homophobia or racism or anything. It clearly hasn't solved racism in the many, many decades it's been law, but it will help co codify these protections and make it so that if something gets escalated or if people refuse you service based on your gender identity, you would be able to sue them and 
get protection for yourself. Yes, and press criminal charges. Making something illegal doesn't make people stop doing it, but it does make them ac mm -hmm. able to be held accountable for their actions. And I like holding people accountable for their actions, especially when their actions are terrible. Because then it's also a statement of what is and is not acceptable within our society. And discrimination, based on so many things, is it's unacceptable. And we want to make mm -hmm. it legally codified to be unacceptable within our society to discriminate against LGBT plus people. Definitely. Um, so obviously this is at the federal level, but um, across different states, there is some uh, improvement happening in terms of uh, helping LGBTQ plus people. Um, some, not a lot, but it's there. <laughs> We've definitely gotten more done at the state level in some states than we have accomplished federally. For a long time, when we were growing up, the conversation was about marriage equality because it was just starting to pass in some states when we were in middle school and high school. Yeah. Yeah, but as, as like a 25-year-old person, just a few years ago we achieved marriage equality for same-sex couples everywhere in the United States by Supreme Court precedent. And uh, that was like a fifth of my lifetime ago. A lot's mm -hmm. changed in those five years. And I think we still, oh, yeah. we still have work to do. Most of my adult life, marriage equality has been like a settled issue and I want to move on. Like, it's, it's amazing that it happened um, and that it was achieved. We're not, we're not saying that it wasn't a massive achievement for LGBTQ rights. It's just that there is a lot more work to do. Particularly, I guess, bringing it back briefly to the Equality Act. After you get married, the fact that you can, you know, still be denied housing or fired from your job because you're married to someone of the same sex... It's wrong, and I would like to fix those problems as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think, I think first we should talk about, I guess, the state protections offered to youth. LGBTQ plus youth are often the most vulnerable people in our community uh, because children are often the most vulnerable people in communities. They don't have full agency. They might not have supportive parents or schools, and it's not like they can just move somewhere better yet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, one of the major um, achievements of a lot of states is um, that there have been um, restrictions and bans on conversion therapy, which has proven time and time again to be extremely harmful to LGBTQ youth. Um, 20 states and uh, Washington, D.C. protect LGBT youth from uh, conversion therapy. Um, and uh, prevents licensed mental health professionals from conducting conversion therapy on people under the age of 18. So that's huge. Although not every state has made conversion therapy outright illegal for everyone, um, people under the 18 can't in most places consent to a lot of medical treatments. Their parents have to do it for them. Conversion therapy has been denounced by the person that created it for being a harmful and mm -hmm. abusive system that hurts people for being who they are and also doesn't do anything to change their sexual orientation or gender identity. And I don't think we should be pursuing mental health services that 
actively harm patients and comes with zero results. It just seems like bad science to me. Yeah, all it does is traumatize people. So we know that it doesn't work. There's no evidence to suggest conversion therapy works. Mm -hmm. But it's also likely to make prejudice and self-hatred flourish. And people who feel rejected in some way by families and their communities, including having to undergo practices like conversion therapy, means they are far more likely to commit self-harm or consider suicide. And that's wrong and unethical. No mental health professional should be participating in any kind of action that results in people more likely to commit suicide. Yeah, that's that's such a terrifying statistic. The like the amount of people who commit self-harm or suicide because of this. It's horrifying. Yes. It's it's wrong and it's sickening. And yes, so far we are at 20 states and Washington DC, but we can work within our states and our state legislatures to expand mm-hmm. that protection. And yeah, that's, that means there are 30 states left to go. Yep. That's a lot of states. We can we can, we can continue to work to protect kids um, and as build safer environments for them within their own communities. And part of that will also mean just, just mean addressing discrimination uh, within our schools. Only 16 states in Washington, D.C. have laws that prohibit discrimination against students in public education based on sexual orientation or gender identity. And only two states, uh, Wisconsin and New Mexico, have laws that prohibit discrimination against students on the basis of sexual orientation. That's not a lot. It's, it's you know, it's definitely less than, uh, mm-hmm. than the conversion therapy statistic. And although, you know, conversion therapy is bad, creating safe environments for our students and for the children in our lives is so important. We want to protect queer kids and queer teenagers and just queer youth and let them know that they have safe places in their community that they can turn to because we know that having that drastically reduces the chances that they will be exposed to youth homelessness and consider self-harm or suicide. These anti-discrimination laws that protect LGBTQ youth literally save lives. Like, even if um, teachers want to protect their students, they're not able to because they there aren't rules that prohibit that the kind of discrimination they're seeing on a daily basis um, in public schools. So, unfortunately, there isn't anything we can do about discrimination based in private schools. But, you know, we'll, we'll take our sphere of influence where we have it, I guess. Yeah. And also, like, I'm, I'm skeptical of private schools in general. So, yeah, we will protect kids where we can and try to affect the change where we can. One, one great thing you can do on a super local level, uh, regardless of what state you live in, is find out what protections are set up in your school district. There are like eight people uh, on my school board and I know about half of them personally. Oh wow. Because they were fr- they're, they're parents of my friends. I live in a small school district and I, and it's very easy to contact your school board members. Uh, their information is publicly available. They will have a, like 
an email address set up by the school board. They are public officials. And the people on your school board should also want to protect the kids at your local high schools and your local elementary schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's not so oh, difficult yeah. that I can't contact them and, like, request protections for LGBT students in, um, in my community. Because I was one of them once. Part of making sure that we can be there for the next generation also means we gotta be there for ourselves and make things better for them when they grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing we could do that is making sure that they will be able to have just jobs and be able to provide for themselves and their families. Because although same-sex marriage and marriage equality has been put into law, it is still legal to discriminate in several states based on sexual orientation and gender identity. Only 22 states and Washington, D.C. prohibit discrimination in employment based on sexual orientation and gender identity, and one state prohibits discrimination in employment based on just sexual orientation. It's not right that you can get married one day and be fired the next for it. It's ridiculous that we have to, like, ask for these protections, um, but it's even more ridiculous that these protections haven't been, haven't become law yet. If I am fired from a job or denied a promotion or get being paid less than my peers, I want it to be something about me personally and my performance at work. Yeah. Uh, not, not my sexual orientation or my gender identity, or my gender, or just my perceived gender. Yeah. Yeah, like, there, there's enough to critique about my, my work. I, I should hope that, like, if I'm ever fired, it's not for, like, just my existence as a human being. Yeah, I definitely don't want it to be because I exist. That feels yeah. wrong. That, yeah. Make it because I'm a bad worker. Although, I, yeah. um, if my employer is listening to this, I, I am an excellent worker, and I do my job very, very well, and I work very hard. Please continue paying me. Yeah, we're great workers. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think I'm more concerned about, like, being denied a promotion than being fired. Yeah, same. Because we're just, we're that good. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> Although the state of queer America has increasingly gotten better over our lifetimes, we still want to be able to do more. We want to protect the generation that's coming up after us, and here's what you can do to help. Like we said earlier, on the federal level, you can contact your senators and remind them about the Equality Act and the fact that it exists, and it hasn't passed yet, and it hasn't been voted on yet. Especially contact senators who haven't stated their position yet and ask why they won't support a bill that the nonpartisan group, the Public Religion Research Institute, found that nationally, support for a bill like the Equality Act topped 70%, which includes a majority of Democrats, Republicans, and Independents. 70% of America wants this bill to happen. 70% of America wants to protect queer people. That's incredible, and that means it should probably be a law by now. It's definitely one of the instances where the culture is ahead of our laws. Mm -hmm. uh, but that still means we need 
we still need the laws. Yes, definitely. On the state level, uh, what you can do is use resources like those from the Human Rights Campaign to find out what LGBT protections exist in your state, and then you can contact your state legislators about uh, expanding those protections. Call your governor's office. Call everyone. For instance, even though we live on states that border each other, mm-hmm. um, my state of Pennsylvania has almost no protections for LGBT people on the state level. At all. But uh, the states that you live in, New Jersey and New York, all have pretty much all of them. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really lucky to live in states that, like, are pretty good about this stuff, generally. But being able to contact your representatives at the state level is so impactful because the... There's a common saying, the farther you are down the ballot, the closer you are to your front door. Mm-hmm. You want to be in contact with your representatives at every level, from your federal level as senators, to your state legislators and your governor, and like we said earlier, to your local school board members, because all of them have some power to protect queer people. Uh, one more thing you can do is donate to LGBT-focused organizations. Look for who is doing the work locally to support and protect LGBT people. If you need a few suggestions for organizations, there is the Trevor Project, the Human Rights Campaign, Glisten, and GLAD, and Camp Lilac. Katrina, do you want to talk about Camp Lilac a little bit? Because I know you know a lot about it. I do. So Camp Lilac is a summer camp in Ohio for trans youth, where gender diversity is the norm. It is a space that explicitly works to protect and support trans youth, which are some of the most vulnerable parts of our population, which is amazing. And the fact that it exists in Ohio, a state which, I'll be honest with you, doesn't exactly have the best record on uh, queer rights, just at all. According to the Human Rights Campaign, the only thing they support for their measures of, like, the state of queer America within states is marriage equality, which they have to by federal law. (laughs) Wow, Ohio, you you gotta do better. And we need spaces that work in person and now online due to the current pandemic to protect and support trans youth and make sure that they have the resources and support that they need. They're also in the middle of their annual fundraiser. We'll tweet out the link. Those are all of the things that you can do to help with the current causes in the state of queer America, but I think before we end today, we wanted to take some time to eulogize an icon, Larry Kramer, who recently died. Yeah. Um, On May 27th, um, Larry Kramer passed away due to pneumonia, um, and he was a major activist during the AIDS crisis. He founded both the Gay Men's Health Crisis, um, the first ever service organization for HIV-positive people, and then when he was kicked out uh, because he was too aggressive, he founded ACT UP, the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power. Um, Yeah, I did not know he was kicked out. Yeah, he was kicked out. I love him. He's so great. 
the historic images you see of demonstrators laying down at the New York Stock Exchange um, and other really shocking um, headline-grabbing activism was to his credit. He would loudly proclaim that Anthony Fauci, the the same Anthony Fauci who's in the news all the time right now, uh, was a murderer uh, to get headlines and attention for his cause because the CDC wasn't doing anything about the AIDS crisis. Um, And then uh, behind the scenes, uh, he would uh, call and say, I didn't mean it. Um, Let's work together to help my people. Um, he would, he would literally over and over again say, I didn't mean it. I did it for the attention. Let's get things done, which is incredible. Um, it, it is definitely incredible. Um, and obviously Fauci is still working in the public health area. Mm -hmm. Um, and unfortunately now there's another pandemic and I think we've reached over a hundred thousand deaths in the United States, but I think to contextualize, since the beginning of the HIV AIDS epidemic, more than 700,000 people have died. And now it is a treatable virus, it is not curable, but there are more than 1.1 million people living with HIV. Yeah, And a large reason that it is now a treatable illness is because of the work that Larry Kramer did to get funding and to get public policy that cared about us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think a really important part of um, Larry Kramer's work is that he used his rage um, and grabbed headlines, grabbed attention, was aggressive about his cause um, because his his community, our community, was ravaged, and he formed a movement that pushed forward help for HIV-positive people. He worked against massive pharmaceutical companies p- to push for accessible medication when drug prices were rapidly increasing, which is an issue we see still see today about with so many drugs and so many so much life-saving treatment. Um, and he, and like that's the reason why. He, they were on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, it was because one of the pharmaceutical companies that was publicly traded for um, was increasing the prices of ATV, a life-saving HIV drug. And that's what they were protesting, and that's what they used their anger for. Um, Protests are meant to disrupt day-to-day life and to sh- make clear the injustices happening in the world. We need people who are willing to use their anger, who are pushing us forward, who are working with their clear moral conscience to put people first and to stop preventable deaths. Yes. Even in his last days, he was fighting for healthcare and using uh, brash and effective tactics to do so. He uh, didn't bother with euphemisms he didn't bother trying to say things nicely because he knew that wouldn't work he said the white house has been awful on everything that guy robert redfield at the cdc he's an idiot a villain because people aren't being treated um the way they should doctors aren't getting the protection they need even to this day um so yeah he takes his activism seriously 
he understands the real problems um, uh, of society, and he was loud about it. Um, and I think his memory proves that anger and being loud about your cause will change things and it will help people. Um, and especially today, especially the last few days, that is a really important message to keep in your heart. There is so much righteous anger that I have seen lately because there are major systemic issues taking place right now. Um, even as we know that black people are being murdered by the police, that black trans people are just being murdered. We also see the larger systemic issues of black people specifically being more likely to contract COVID-19 because they're more likely to work in essential jobs where they can't leave or won't be able to work from home or because of the housing situation or being more likely to be low income. And I think, I don't think Larry Kramer would mind if we in part used his eulogy to say that the fact that people are dying is terrible and dumb and we need to do something about it because the White House has been awful on everything. <laughs> he, he re they really have been. It, it's full of villainous idiots. And I'm okay saying that. And I'm okay being angry about everything going on right now and being angry that black people continue to die preventable deaths for just existing. So stay angry, friends. But for right now, I think we're going to end on a good note uh, mm -hmm. so you can use your anger after you finish that. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we do have some good news because some good things are still happening uh, from protesters putting themselves in harm's way to people raising money for bail funds to people doing things like doing tarot readings for donations or making drawings or putting on concerts we're using our gifts to help each other mm -hmm. and that's important too now uh what what's our good gay news Narali? um our good gay news is that gay awards time it's happening again um last year i did a little thing uh during pride month where every single day i discussed someone in the queer community gave them a really hastily drawn gay award um for existing and being awesome um and i am doing that again this year and um it's easy it's very easy to just fall into anger and kind of and despair especially right now and i think it's very important to also celebrate people and remember why we are so angry it's because we want to protect our people and celebrate each other i just i think it's very important to celebrate each other um so i'm doing that again um if you want to nominate people you can do that um through my dms they're open um if you want to do gay awards yourself go right ahead um the more people that are celebrated um the better uh yeah gay awards time it's happening every evening 
um, during Pride Month. Yeah, and this is, I think this is also a wonderful time to be celebrating our community, the work that we've done together, and how much, how far we've come, and how we're still working to do better. Uh, especially as we know, physical prides have all been canceled this year. For very good reason. Um, but we don't want to. But we, we can still celebrate. Yeah. We're preventing deaths while still celebrating Pride Month and still celebrating our community, which is great. Yeah. The first official Pride Parade was a commemorative event one year after the Stonewall Riots. It was a massive uprising and rebellion that is in large part responsible to how far we have come. We do still have work to do, but Pride is still a moment to celebrate who we are because just the mere celebration of us and of our community is still a political statement when we know so many people don't want us to be here and are willing to actively discriminate and harm us. We have survived for the most part. Although not everyone made it out of Stonewall and not everyone made it out of the AIDS epidemic and not everybody got to see how far we've come, we still get to build on what they've done. It is an honor to be part of this chain of actions that has lasted for generations, and we are going to continue to keep doing the work and celebrating us. Well said. Well said. As you all know, um, we always end on a mango fact. Katrina, you found this one. You wanna? As we know, Mangoes are not just our favorite fruit. They are, in fact, the best fruit. They are objectively the best fruit. And one of the reasons we know this is mango seeds were one of the first to, like, travel intercontinentally. Mango seeds traveled with humans from Asia to the Middle East, East Africa, and South America, beginning around 300 or 400 AD. Wow. Mangoes are like, are like queer people everywhere and have always existed so we hope you all have a very happy pride um you can hear us next wednesday uh at the same place you're listening now um you can find me at firewood sparkler on most everything katrina where can we find you you could find me at katrina ames huzzah happy pride Happy Pride, and uh, we'll probably still be discussing queer issues next week, so keep tuning in. It'll be fun.